Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Dude, I Love That. I'm Liv, and today we're kicking off a brand new series where we're gonna be using pop culture in order to help us figure out Enneagram subtypes. And if you've listened to any of these episodes, you know we love talking about subtypes here. Honestly, I think it's one of the most important aspects of the Enneagram and might even be more important than figuring out your type. And so what I wanna do is we're gonna look at episodes I've done previously and characters from that, draw from them, and we're gonna pick one character per episode for each subtype and figure out more about what that subtype is like and using that character as our example. So we're gonna be drawing from them in order to share with you more about that subtype. So today we're kicking off with sixes and we're actually talking about the counterphobic six. And I'm actually debating, you'll have to let me know what you think, but I'm debating just using the series as talking about countertypes because it's so hard to find content on countertypes because obviously they look different than what you normally think of with that type. So, you know, every type has a countertype, but those are the least talked about of all the Enneagram. And so I want to know your thoughts. Do you think I should just focus the series on countertypes or should I dive into all of them? Let me know on Instagram at hey, it's Liv James. But anyways, let's go ahead and start with today's character. We're talking about Tris Pryor from Divergent. I'm so excited because honestly, I connect with this character so much and it's really hard to find a true counterphobic six. A lot of times they look so eight-ish that it's really hard to differentiate. So this is going to be so much fun. I just reread through Divergent for you so that I could get fresh examples and I have tons of quotes and stuff here that we can look at and really dive into. Also, this is going to be a very different episode than what I normally do. I'm going to be drawing from a lot of notes in order to give you more of a full view because I don't want to leave anything out. So if you see me looking down on the video version, I'm checking my notes. And also this is going to be a little bit more bullet pointy than you're probably used to, but it's going to be so much fun. So let's get started. So first off, let's hit on this point because I think this is probably the point that brings the most contention for people when trying to figure out is someone an eight or is someone a counterphobic six? Usually you'll never, ever, ever mistype a six and an eight, just generally speaking. However, the counterphobic six, because they run towards their fear and because they want to tackle what it is that's making them anxious, they do look very aggressive like the type eight. And so a lot of times people are like, oh, well, they're going towards their fear. They must be an eight. But again, the counterphobic six, what they want to do is unlike the other subtype sixes, like the self-preserving and the social six, those two tend to run away from the fear in order to self-preserve. However, the counterphobic six, which is the sexual subtype six, the thought of the fear is so jarring to them that what they do is they want to run right towards it and basically overpower it so that it can't overtake them. And so it's actually really interesting to see that because it is very aggressive, like the type eight. But if you look at the core motivations, completely different. So what I did was I gathered a list of all these quotes from the book that I felt like really gave us a lot of insight into who Tris is in her own mind. And so I did that. And then what I went through and did was I took all the quotes and basically broke down what is the crux of what she's saying here. And so I came up with some words that I felt like most defined who she is as a person and why she's a six. So some of the words that I chose were she really values safety. She values peace. She's very dutiful. Her purpose truly is bravery. And that's what she's going after. And lastly, she cares a lot about contentment. And again, you know, peace, safety, and contentment, those all kind of feel very similar to that six's core longing. Because if you go back and look at the whole soul child aspect, which that's a lot to get into, I don't want to do that in this episode just because it'll be way too packed, but definitely check out Beatrice Chestnut's book, The Enneagram Guide to Waking Up, where, you know, she really talks about that because it's so important to understand what was this type truly going after and like what, what spurred on what they are doing now. And so, you know, obviously the six has a connection to nine and we go to nine in growth. However, Tris kind of has always had this simple life where she didn't have a whole lot of anxieties. And so I think deep within her, yes, she does value peace. 
And she does want safety and protection, but she's definitely not the core type of a nine because she's not trying to make peace. Peace is not her holy grail, right? We see that her holy grail truly is safety. And she did struggle a lot in the beginning of the book. And even if you just watch the movies, there's this constant battle between abnegation and dauntless, right? Because she's saying, I know what abnegation is going to give me. It's safe. It's comfortable. It is my comfort zone. However, she knows that she's really supposed to be over here. And so this is this fight between the comfort zone and getting out of that and actually going for what you know you need. And so that's what the six is always kind of dealing with because deep down they're like, no, I want to go for what I want. But the fear is usually what holds them back from being able to do that because they look and they're like, the process of going towards that fear and conquering it is more jarring than just staying in a situation that I know is not best for me. And so that's where the six can get stuck because they sit there and they're like, just not moving in life, right? They just kind of sit there and they're just complacent, which again, reminds me a lot of when you're in prolonged periods of stress, you actually go to the low side of your health number. So for instance, if you're a six and you're in prolonged stress, you're going to go to the low side of type nine. You're going to get very sloth-like. You're going to be zoning out. You're going to be trying to numb things with like TV or food. And so that's what we see from a six that is in lower levels of health for prolonged periods of time. However, Tris is after the safety. She's after what is going to give me what I need. Now, how she does that, which is so interesting and so counterphobic, what she does is she goes, I know Dauntless can provide me with that simply because I'll have the tools that I need in order to conquer my fears. So in terms of Dauntless, what that does for her is I'll have the training that I need. I'll have the mastery of weapons. You know, I'll have the mental acuity. And so what she's doing is she's actually gathering tools in order to help her conquer her fear. And that looks very different than the type eight. The type eight will just do it all from their own force, their own personality, their own will, right? Whereas the six, they gather things. They wanna make sure that I have everything I need in my toolbox in order to get the job done. And so that's what she is really doing with Dauntless, right? So she's understanding that within herself, she doesn't feel like she has what she needs. She's like, I know that if I join this group, which I'll get into that whole mindset in a minute. If I join this group, They will give me what I need and equip me to be able to overcome my fears long-term. And so what I love about that is she's getting out of the idea of comfort being the most important thing. And she's saying, no, it's going to be a momentary situation of discomfort. However, once I'm through that, I'm going to have everything I need and I'll never quote, feel fear again. Right. And it actually relates a lot back to her purpose. So Some things that I wrote down that I felt like really encapsulated her purpose. One of the biggest things was she wants to feel fulfilled. There's something about, and I think this is probably what ultimately led to her leaving abnegation. Her deepest desire is to feel purposeful and fulfilled. There's even a quote in here where she says, I'd rather be dead than empty like the factionless. And so to her, being without purpose, being without that community mindset is so upsetting to her that she would literally rather be dead than to be without that. And of course, Their whole society functions on the faction system. And so for her, it is do or die, quite literally. And so even more so for her choosing Dauntless because then it's an extra level of pressure, right? It's not just like you're doing the same thing, you're droning on and on and on in abnegation. Now the stakes are even higher than they were before. And she has to make it or else she will be factionless. She will be, in essence, empty. Another thing that I thought was really interesting was She desperately desires to be made into her own person. I think a lot of her feels, and this is very type six because, you know, they are a compliant type, right? 
So a lot of her feels like I've been more or less molded and shaped into what other people wanted me to be. And I was happy to do that for a time because I wanted to comply. I wanted to limit the anxieties. And so it was easier for me to go along with what they wanted than to stand up for what I want. Again, hallmark difference here of a six versus an eight. And so because she was so in that state of compliance, because abnegation, I mean, you really could call that the compliant faction. It truly is. They will not stand up for themselves. They're like doormats a lot of the times, which can be, you know, fine for what they're doing. You know, they're, they're trying to help other people, but in day-to-day practice, it's not healthy because they don't have boundaries. And so as someone who naturally had boundaries like she did, it was very hard for her to comply with abnegation, but over time, the voice in her head, she just kind of let mellow out. And then it was just like, you know, I'm just going to do what everybody else wants me to do. I'm going to comply to authority figures, which is another thing sixes always do. And so she's like, I'm just going to do that and let it be. But now that she's actually in a place where she can make her own decisions and she can align with who she wants and who she thinks is best for her, she's able to really find her own voice there. And you see like even, you know, letting Christina put the eyeliner on her for the first time. And what I love is this one page in the book, and I cannot remember the page right now, but it's so cute because after she and four really developed that relationship and they kind of have like their first kiss and all that she decides to dress differently and really embrace this new identity. And, you know, sometimes for sixes, it does take someone else stepping up to the plate and being like, I think you're worthy. I think you've got something going for yourself. I see that in you and I want to draw that out. And so I think for so long, she was used to giving and giving and giving and complying that she never stopped to think about what do I want? Like, who am I as a person? And so when she finally did that, and when someone else took interest in her, she was able to embrace this whole new identity, you know, even her physical appearance was changing. And so that's what I love to see when that six embraces the courage and their virtue. It's absolutely incredible. So another thing I want to point out here is she really wants to make her mark on the world. That is probably her number one thing of importance. And that's where she's making her decisions from. She wants to, actually, this is a better illustration. So there's a scene where they go to check out the fence. And so obviously the Amity Farms are out there and she sees someone that she used to know, I think his name's Robert from Abnegation. That was like a neighbor. And she sees him and, you know, for a moment, her mind kind of races with what could have been, you know, what could have been if I joined Amity and just accepted a peaceful life and wasn't constantly in the fight or flight that I'm having now. What if I was just able to rest and be at peace all the time? And again, I think that she does really desire peace, but within her, the peace is looking different than it does for other people. For other people, the peace looks like just being happy all the time. And she even says in the book, my life's purpose is not to be happy. It's to actually do something with it. And so it's actually really special to see that because you see her carrying that out. And again, it would have been so easy for her to stay in abnegation or even to go with Amity or something like that, but she didn't because she knew she needed to get out of her comfort zone and it was going to take a drastic effort in order to actually push her out of the nest and get her more aligned with her purpose. And last but not least as part of her purpose, I think she really does desire so much more than we even realize to control and overcome her fears. And, you know, there's so many quotes in the book where she's realizing that fearlessness doesn't really exist. I think that was her goal going into Dauntless. You know, her goal, like the six, and especially the counterphobic six, the goal was I'm going to acquire as much knowledge and tools as I can in order to be able to overcome the fears. I want to feel equipped, right? That was her whole goal. And then she's realizing the people that she thought were the most fearless and the faction that she thought would kind of solve all of her problems in a way, they are not fearless. 
what they do is they understand the fear. They kind of like take it on. They realize it and they decide consciously to push past it. And so that's something that you see her get more and more used to even through the book series, right? Because we see in Insurgent, and ironically, it's right there uh, if you're watching the video version. But what we see is she decides things aren't going to get done if I don't go out there and do it myself and if I don't sacrifice for the group. And this is another thing I want to talk about in terms of subtypes. It's so interesting. And I'll talk about it in a minute. But what I love is she gets more and more used to acknowledging the fear and making a conscious effort to push past it because she knows that the fear is only going to hold her back from her ultimate purpose. And so what we see is a more ingrained, I guess you could call it, sense of purpose and destiny. And so she's like, no, I want to go towards this. I'm becoming more goal oriented and I'm choosing to not let fear rule me, which of course the six is always doing that. But remember the virtue of the six is courage, right? Because their vice is fear. So when they embrace courage and when they actually start moving in that and living it out, there's so much freedom because they know I can't let this thing get to me. And I have the power within my mind, you know, that inner committee very similar to the type one's inner critic. And so there's a lot of that white noise. But when you say, this isn't going to rule me, I'm going to do what I need to do in order to live out why I'm actually here on this earth. There's so much joy, peace, and freedom, which frankly, I mean, those feel like the core desires of the six. Now let's take a minute to look at her strengths because I think this is really interesting. So one of the things that stuck out to me that feels so type one but again, I think this plays into her subtype stacking. And like I said, I'll get to that in a minute, but she has a very strong sense of right and wrong. And what I actually think is happening is I think this is an overlay of her growing up in abnegation. Abnegation is a very one-ish, two-ish society. And so a lot of their time is spent focusing on others. And it's also actively making you shove down your own desires in order to put others first. And when you do that, and when that's such a routine for you, and when that's being spat at you all the time, that you need to care about others more than yourself, you need to do this, you're less than whatever. We know that their purpose, you know, they're trying to be helpful, right? They're trying to be the best they can be. However, it's actually damaging down the line because you lose your sense of yourself and you also lose your boundaries. And that's something that, again, Tris is struggling with the whole time because, again, that type six, as much as they want to comply, they also want to do what they want to do. You know, it's kind of like rules for thee, not for me a little bit, which, again, feels kind of like that type eight. However, the six, 99% of the time, what they're going to do is go with the flow and they're going to go with the group because they don't want to upset the apple cart. And so that's a huge difference between the six and the eight. The eight's going to just apples will fall. You know, they're like, we're just going to do what we want to do. The six is not so much about that because again, that connection to nine, they do want the harmony. But like I was saying, you know, she, there's so many instances in the book where she uses a lot of words like I should want to X, Y, and Z. I should blah, 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 or it's not right. Or they're wrong. They're bad. Things like that. And so again, that's that very type one language that we talk about because the one does view things in such a black and white way of right and wrong. And so there's a lot of shoulds and shouldn'ts and don'ts and wrongs and bads. And so again, I don't actually think that's her. What I think is that is her abnegation growing up kind of situation where that was always what was told to her. That's what she heard all the time. That's sort of her first mode of operation, whereas it's not her personality. What it is, is this overlay and this, I guess you could call it merging with a culture. And then once she's further removed from that culture, you see it's very quick for her to start going, wait a minute, that's not me. I don't feel that way. I'm not going to act on that. And so that's how you can tell it's not her personality. 
It's simply how she grew up. Another thing that I love about Tris is that she definitely feels a duty to be her true self and also to look out for those around her. And she does it in different ways. You know, it's not always in a physical sense of protection, even though she does do that several times. But a lot of times what she's doing is anticipating situations that are going to happen and formulating plans to act against that so that the least amount of people get hurt. We see that so much in Insurgent where, you know, she ends up turning herself into Janine so that more people don't get hurt. And so we see that duty is huge for her. And again, this is what I want to talk about with that subtype. So interesting. And then lastly, she's so good at zeroing in on details. She's always analyzing things. And this is what I talked about in the Divergent episode that I did. She's definitely that six wing five. You know, she's always taking in her environment. She's always on. She wants to know what's coming when. And oftentimes her overanalyzing things is a detriment because what she starts doing is projecting. And I'll talk about more about projecting in a minute, but it's just really interesting because by her wanting to look at everything and get a good lay of the land, what she's actually doing is she's becoming hypervigilant. And this is something the six can struggle with. And again, very stark difference between the six and the eight. What she's doing is she is overanalyzing everything in order to quench that anxiety. However, what she's inadvertently doing is giving herself more anxiety because she's on this heightened alert and she's taking everything in where she probably doesn't really need to. She just needs to focus on the moment. But she's so like focused on the present, but also looking out into the future and looking back into the past. And so she's just kind of in this jumbled up mess. And we see so many times where she and four will be hanging out. And directly after that, she's wondering, does he regret hanging out with me? What is he doing? Oh, he didn't come say hi to me. He didn't sit with me. He must not like me anymore. And so she's kind of on this constant grind of highs and feeling really good and then lows of oh that expectation wasn't met or that didn't go how I thought it was going to or they didn't react the way I thought they were going to this must mean something bad however she's also able to use this in a really interesting way that makes her so much of an asset to the group because for instance when they're doing the capture the flag game and four and Eric are choosing teams we see that you know he initially picks her and she's like why would you pick me so what she does is she tries to figure it out by looking at, okay, who else is he choosing? What is the common theme here so that I can get a good sense of what's actually going on? And so again, it can be used in a good way and in a bad way, but it's all about balance. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of her strengths is actually her determination. This is something that we see so many times throughout these books and often the movies because what she's saying is, I have the vice of fear. However, I'm going to make an active effort towards embracing the virtue, which is courage. And so this quote that I have here is, I have to face the fear. I have to take control of the situation and find a way to make it less frightening. And this is something that I love so much because it shows that active effort to push past the fear and embrace bravery and courage. And what I love about sixes and especially that counterphobic six, they are some of the bravest on the entire Enneagram because again, like I'm saying, they're choosing to embrace the fear and say, you're not going to get to me. I'm going to tell you what's up, you know, in my mind and actually overcome this instead of just letting it go on and on and on and grow into this gigantic fear. She's looking at it very plainly and going, this is going to hinder me from doing what I want to do. So I need to get rid of it now so that I can move on and do what I need to do. And so I just love that so much, but let's go ahead and quickly talk about her weaknesses, which there aren't as many as there are strengths, but I do think it's really interesting to point out that one of the things we see her struggle with constantly in the first book is intimacy. And look, I'm not, I'm not any grandma marriage. I'll leave that to Krista, but I do think this is super important because as a six, this is something I've seen in my own life in different ways. And so I want to point it out if you're a six that is maybe struggling with the same thing. And so I have here, I think the ultimate fear in terms of the intimacy is letting her guard down. 
And there's this sense of if I am developing an intimate relationship with someone, I'm not going to have the ability to kind of camouflage if I need it. And I think that's obviously a defense mechanism, but it's something that, you know, it's like, I just want some semblance of control. And that she feels like with the intimacy with her and four, she can't really control it. And so there's this sense of, I want to be vulnerable. I want that relationship, but I just can't let my guard down. I can't be that vulnerable. And we obviously see her get less and less on that uh, as the books go on. But I just think it's really interesting. So, you know, we even see this in terms of her friendships with Christina, when she's kind of like gone through that weird situation with her, she does find it hard to forgive her. And frankly, the only reason that she really does forgive her is so that she can garner protection from that relationship. And obviously Christina doesn't know this, but that's the reason that Trist tells us she's doing it. And so that's something to really take into consideration here. And actually going back to Krista, something that I love from her deep dive on type sixes is the fact that she says sixes use projection as a way to create some certainty and thus reduce their anxiety in ambiguous, uncertain, or potentially dangerous situations. So again, even though developing intimacy with a partner or with friends isn't a bad thing, it's a good kind of vulnerability. However, as a six who's constantly on guard, what it can feel like is, oh my gosh, I'm basically giving up all of my control. I'm giving up my ability, I guess you could say, to get out of things. And so she feels like if I do this, then I'm kind of trapped. And if there comes a point where I need to get out, I'm not going to be able to because there's going to be this sort of unseen tether here and it's just not something that she's able to do so easily i think that ultimate vulnerability and i'm talking about in her relationship with four by the way the ultimate vulnerability and something that she actually talks about when she's gone through her initiation and she did her final sim and it's just her and four alone she's kind of running through everything she's realizing that the true fear because she even admits she's like i don't know why i'm struggling with this like something's just holding me back what she tells us in the book is that she's afraid that he will make her bare and that's not in a literal sense that's figuratively right she's talking about emotionally bare and so for her even though she wants that deep connection she even tells him she's like i want this kind of connection with you but Something's holding me back and I can't figure out what it is. But what she's trying to say through this whole monologue of like, I want this, but I don't know what's happening and blah, blah, blah. What she's saying is I need time to establish that kind of vulnerability with you. And even though she trusts him completely, it's still the sense of I have to give up control to someone else in a certain area of my life. Can I actually do that? And so what she's figuring out here is, yes, there are certain times where you do have to give up that control to somebody else, because obviously if you're in a marriage relationship, which they're not, but I'm just saying in a partnership, that is how you establish that deep connection, right? That's how you build the solid foundation and you kind of have that thing going that no one else has. And so we do see that more and more through these books, she realizes that this is an essential part. I can't fully be with him. I can't be in a relationship with him if I'm not willing to give up a little bit of my control over quote vulnerability or the ultimate vulnerability, if I'm not like that with him. And so obviously the more that they grow their relationship and the more she realizes that she can trust him no matter what, that comes and it's just easy. But at this point in the relationship, it's so hard for her. And even with friendships, you know, she she says that she doesn't like affection, right? Hugs make her kind of like, whoa, whoa, back up. And so she's constantly in the battle of, I want these relationships. I want to be able to like hug people and not feel weird. But it's still this sense of if I let people in my physical bubble, I'm losing control, I'm encouraging vulnerability, and that's just something that freaks me out. Now, to relate that back to sixes and why she's a great example of a counterphobic six, 
that is something that I've even seen in my own life. You know, I don't like people getting in my physical bubble. It freaks me out. I'm like, get the hell away. Like, do not come near my physical space because it just feels like you're encroaching on me. It feels like you're trying to have control or like some sort of dominion. And you just, you don't like that as a six. You want the ability to fly if you need to, right? Because like, I'm talking about fight or flight here. You want to feel like if I need to, if I want to, I have the physical ability to get out of a situation that is uncomfortable for me. And so with her, she feels like physical closeness or even intimacy in general. For her, it feels like giving away a part of her control and herself. And so again, very six-like because what she wants to do is control her environment in the best way possible because the six does want to decrease that anxiety level. And so this is something that is a constant theme throughout these books. But like I said, the more and more you establish connection with somebody and the more you trust them, the easier it's going to be. But again, I think this is such an interesting point for sixes that I don't hear talked about enough. So I want to talk about it. Another thing, oh my gosh, she does this all the time. And it's so funny because I see it and it's like a glaring, you know, mirror. And I'm like, ooh, that's what I do. That's not good. This is what it actually looks like. And this is what it leads to. So she is constantly jumping to conclusions. And I mentioned this before, but she definitely projects her feelings onto other people. And this is something that ends up getting her in trouble several times because in her mind, things are going a certain way or somebody is doing this because of X, Y, and Z reason. But you don't know what the heck they're doing. You don't know why they're doing something. A really good instance of this is when she takes Al's place when Four is throwing the knives. And, you know, Four is over there. What she thinks is taunting her, right? He, she's like, why does he keep saying this stuff to me? He wants me to fail. We find out later what he was actually doing was pulling on that abnegation training she had growing up and was saying, if you fail, someone else is going to have to take your spot. So stand up to this, be selfless, be brave, you can do it. And so that's where as sixes, that gets you into trouble more often than not. Even though it's good to be vigilant, it's good to be on guard. Sometimes being vigilant and on guard actually makes you project false feelings onto somebody else and ruins relationships, especially in marriage. This is so sketchy and also can cause you to kind of spiral and have these paranoia bouts for no reason. So many times, everything that you're thinking about never happens. So keep that in mind next time you kind of start having those thoughts because I'm telling you, as someone that's been there, it's no fun. And a lot of times it's for absolutely no reason. But again, I just want to point out too, sixes are in the reactive triad and especially for Tris because I think her tri-type is a six, eight, four. 684, that's the entire reactive triad. And so there's a lot of that reactivity there. There's a lot of that wanting to kind of immediately react to situations, but there's a lot of merit in taking a moment to really get in your six and get in that head triad and think about things before you react. Because a lot of times things are very different, they're complex. And so you just looking at it very plainly and going, oh, I'm feeling this emotion, I'm gonna react, doesn't get you to your ultimate goal. So please take a moment, think about it, then react. And then another thing I want to talk about is kind of similar to the projection, honestly, but she is a very intense about judging weakness in other people. And again, this is something that you can't tell. Is she an eight or is she a six? But let me explain it like this. Krista puts it perfectly in the six deep dive. So she says, sixes unconsciously attribute their own unacceptable or unwanted emotions slash behaviors onto others. This occurs because the individuals who are projecting perceive the projected attributes as difficult to acknowledge or threatening to believe about themselves. And so we see this a lot in the beginning of the book where everybody's just left their home and they're at Dauntless and they're crying, but she sees Al and he's described as being very big and muscular and basically just someone that she doesn't think should be crying his eyes out. And there are a couple times where she's like, I could never, ever like someone who's that weak because to her, 
you know, I think she really does deal with weakness. I think that's something that she is so afraid of having in herself that when she sees it in somebody else that quote, shouldn't be dealing with that, as she says, it is so off-putting and it is so jarring. And if she sees it in them and it's like, well, they're big and they're brave and they're strong. And if they're dealing with weakness, what am I? Because she's constantly, you know, talking about how small she is and how she's not pretty and blah, blah, blah. And so I think for her, she sees it in them and she's like, if they're dealing with it, I must have it times 10. And it's so disturbing to her to think that because she doesn't want to embrace that fear, right? And so what she does is she actually turns it and goes, I hate weakness. I hate that he's crying like this. He should shove it down like the rest of us. And so there's this, again, very visceral kind of thing where she just kind of acts from that place of I'm feeling this, I'm going to feel it to the full intensity. And so again, with that four in her eight in her tri-type, it's crazy, but And this is the part where I want to talk about where I've been talking about, wait for that subtype, wait for that subtype. Here it is. So I think her stacking for subtype is sexual, social, then her repressed is self-preserving. And even though so many times in the book, she says that self-preservation is the mode which with she acts, I don't think it's actually the way that we think. And we'll explore that more in a second. But what she's done is she's decided that she is going to conform to the group that is Dauntless. She wants to become Dauntless. She wants to be a member of this group. She wants to be in and around this community. And for her, community is very high on her list of importance because she feels like with community, I am safe. And so again, she's acting out of that type six thing of wanting safety, but she does it in a very counterphobic way. She didn't go with the safety of the sweet, kind, compliant people of abnegation. No, no. She's like, I'm going to go with the bravest of the bunch because I know they're going to protect me to death. And so that's something that we actually see her do quite a few times and it obviously works for her. And this is where, again, it supplies her with the safety that she wants, but it also gets her enough out of her comfort zone that it challenges her. Oh, and the whole reason that I talked about that was because the social subtype six and just social subtypes in general, what they do is they find groups that they can conform to, maybe not even conform, but they can find deep community with. And that's kind of where they derive their sense of safety and identity. And so that's what we see with the whole faction system. It's really based on that social subtype mindset. And so again, you know, I think everybody's kind of on the same page of we need to think in a very social subtype mindset way. However, what we see with Dauntless is it's a lot more of that social sexual versus the social self-preserving that we see in other factions or even just plain social. They're very much like we're deeply connected. We fight, we're passionate, like they are fully on all the time. And so I think for Tris, because she does have that underlying social subtype mindset, she does care a lot about the group and cares a lot about all that. But we see there are so many times where she pulls away from the group and even her friends and is like, I need time by myself to recharge. And again, that's why I think she has a five wing over the seven wing, definitely a strong sexual subtype, but that social gets in there a lot in terms of the way that she thinks and the way that she's kind of ingrained to process things, if that makes sense. Another thing I love about Tris. She equally wants to obey and she hates being told what to do. And so that's something that you're going to see from that six, eight, four, because, you know, so many times they're like, I want to embrace my individuality. I want to be my own person. However, what we see a lot of times is the six is battling for the compliance. The eight's battling for the aggression and the four is battling for that withdrawing. And so you're constantly in this weird state of like, what do I do? But what we see her do is she rotates through all those things. There are times where she's more aggressive. There's times where she withdraws. And there's also times where she complies. And that's what I think is so cool about this tri-type. Even though it's the entirety of the reactive triad, it's just interesting to see how she goes about things. One of the things, again, that I think is so fascinating about Sixes and this character in particular, 
so many times she just doubts that four would have any interest in her. And I think a lot of times, you know, sixes kind of do go back and forth. They vacillate all the time. There's times where we're like, no, we're super on it. We've got it. We're bold. We can do anything. Then there's times where you're like, oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. What are you doing? Such a loser. And so it's funny because she's more often than not brave for other people than she is brave for herself. And her relationship with four is one of those things that really tests her where it's like, are you going to be brave for yourself for once? Are you going to have courage in the small things? Or are you just going to have courage in the big things that are life and death? And again, she's constantly battling that. But the situation that really stuck out to me is when she and four had their first kiss and, you know, like he pulls away for a second, like probably to freaking breathe, right? Like it's not even a big thing. And her first thought is, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. That was bad. Oh my God. Like he's probably judging me. And that's something that sixes constantly worry about people judging them and criticizing them. And I think that's because again, ones have the inner critic in their minds, but the six has the inner committee. And sometimes it's a lot of voices judging you. It's a lot of voices saying they could be worried about this. What if they think this about you? Have you considered that? And you're like, shut up. Like this is so intense. And I think that's really what we see with her all the time. And even though it's not phrased in the way of inner committee or voices in her head, we know that's really what's happening because she's narrating this whole thing. And so it's hilarious because four pulls away and then like he kisses her again. And so it wasn't even at all what she was thinking. But again, that's that whole projection and paranoia spiral where you've thought something completely wrong. And then it's like, if she had just held on for two seconds, she would have realized that's not the case. Instead, she spiraled for a minute, came back and was like, oh, never mind. It wasn't a problem. And so again, sixes, this happens. It totally does. I understand. I've been there. But again, sometimes you just got to wait it out for a second and see what happens. And last but not least, just to wrap this whole episode up, I think one of the things we have to really realize here is even if you are a counterphobic six that works against those fears, it does not mean in any way that you don't care about safety. You just go about getting safety in a different way. And so one thing that I've really noticed for myself is I never used to think that I would seek safety in terms of establishing connections with one other person. But when I go to events, I pretty much just find one other person that I vibe with and I just stick it out with them. Like I'm not interested in the group. I'm not interested in just like hiding away in a corner. I'm like, all I need is one person I vibe with and I'll be fine. And I think it's so funny because that's kind of what we see her do with Christina initially. And that is really her true ride or die this entire series. And then of course she meets four and that kind of becomes her ride or die. But all in all, Christina's the one person that she bounces things off of and that she has that connection with. And even though, yes, they do have Will and Al and four as friends or as partners, she would be fine if it was just her and Christina. And so again, that's what I think is really interesting because she saw something in Christina right away where she's like, if I stick it out with her, she can protect me and vice versa because this is a safe relationship for me, just like she ultimately chooses for because she realizes there's something here. I know that he can protect me. He has so many things that I don't have. And of course, because four is a true type eight, I just have to say it right now. I love six and eight relationships. I think they're so great. And I think they're extremely underrated. And I don't know why, but the series is a huge win for the six, eight couples out there. And it's so funny because there's so many things that she sees in four that she deeply wants for herself. She wants to be that type eight. But like I said, it's so funny because the six, they want that, but they don't innately have it. Whereas the eight does. And so there's something about it where it's really endearing and it draws you in because you see that they have the one thing that you long for most, which is just pure bravery and courage and where she has to work for it. He kind of just has it. And so I love that she clings to him out of a need for safety and out of a need for just like deep relationship. But more than that, there's something there that is so bonded about them and is the reason their relationship is the way it is, which is just absolutely amazing. 
but I hope that you enjoyed this episode. This was such a long one. And so like head typey, but I hope that you enjoyed. Be sure and check back on Tuesday for a brand new episode. I upload every Tuesday and Friday. And of course, follow along on Instagram at Hey, it's Liv James. I have so much fun stuff going on over there that you do not want to miss. And I'll see you next time. Bye.